Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Today's episode of Beyond Synth is brought to you by Tech, the new collaborative record featuring Phaserland, Matt Quid, and Pengus, out on Telefuture Records. Inspired by the late 80s FM synth, this trio takes us on a journey into the nightlife setting of sophistication through classy melodies and Japanese funk. The trio joined forces in 2015 to progress the sound of the current synthwave retro 80s scene. Combining synthwave sounds infused with elements of jazz fusion, 80s library, and modern Shibuya Gay, they create a sophisticated blend of rich harmonic, heavily melodic music that pairs well with a chilled glass of Dom Perignon. That's Tech, featuring Phaserland, Matt Quid, and Pengus. You can pick up the album now at telefuturenow.bandcamp.com. Turn to Beyond Sin. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode. 36. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. Just cracked open a beer. It's a special occasion, sort of. If you haven't already heard, I announced on Twitter and Facebook, um, this is going to be the last episode of Beyond Synth in its current format. Now, what... (laughs) Well, thank you out there. Today on the show is Robots with Ray Guns. We recorded this interview a very long time ago. I should point out that we both had colds when we recorded it. And we'll get to that in a moment. So I'm going to tell you what the plan is and what is going on with the show. But before I do, don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Andy Last. That's the official Beyond Synth twitter account please like the facebook page that's uh, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast you know the theme song for beyond synth is uh, made by a guy called ogre it's the track sure thing off the album calico brawn you can pick that up at ogresounds.bandcamp.com or is it ogre sound it's one of the two i'm gonna get that down and also uh thanks to dallas campbell for some of the elements in the intro Uh, Listeners to Beyond Synth, especially if you've been listening since the show started uh, several years ago, I normally uh, produce more episodes a season. And since I'm working on sort of multiple projects, uh, Beyond Synth has started to kind of fall by the wayside a bit. I mean, we're already in September now, and this is the sixth episode, uh, when normally there would have been about, you know, 12 by this point. And I've really been falling behind. A lot of the interviews that I've been playing in the show lately have been recorded so many months ago, I don't even want to tell you, because (laughs) it's, it's crazy. 
And the bottom line is that the show has to change. I put a lot of thought into this. Um, it was either not do Beyond Synth anymore, in which case this just would have been the last episode, or allow the show to grow and change into something else, something that is easier for me to produce, but will still have the same kind of vibe. I'm a big fan of podcasts, and I listen to a lot. And one of the most important things to me is, you know, I love good conversation. I love having conversations with people. I love meeting new people. I've met a lot of great people doing this show and really formed, uh, you know, I think some cool friendships. And it's because of the fact that this is a long-form interview program. But it takes me a long time to produce because the flow of conversation is something that's very important to me. And I know I don't, I don't know if I really talk about it too much on the show, but I actually put a lot of work into each episode because the majority of the interviews are recorded using Skype. And, you know, good conversation is so important to me. And what's very important about that is the flow of conversation. Now, that's something that you can really, you, you can have a really strong, you know, flow of conversation when you're actually with another person in the same studio recording a podcast. But since the synthwave scene is so international, it's hard to do that. But, you know, if you've ever had a conversation on Skype or over the web, I mean, it's a very disjointed sort of thing. I mean, there's lots of weird pauses and digital dropouts and, you know, the Skype cancels and you have to phone back and uh, and it can, you know, when all said and done, when you listen back, and this is the same way I feel when I listen to certain podcasts that, you know, are primarily based on Skype, there's just a lot of really weird, awkward pauses and it never felt natural to me. And so I spend a lot of time making the conversations I have feel to the listener like they felt to us as we were having the conversation. Because a lot of times when you listen back to a Skype conversation, it really doesn't sound like a conversation has a nice flow to it. And it just takes a lot of work. So the new show, the new Beyond Sin show, we're going to retool the show. It's going to be a very different show. It's going to be more of a radio show. In some cases, people will probably prefer it. Because it's definitely going to give me an opportunity to play a lot more music, which, you know, over the years, a lot of people have sent me tracks and said, you know, can you play this on your show? And I have to sort of be like, well, you know, it's not really that type of show. You know, there's other there's other shows that focus on synthwave music and stuff like that. But a lot of people, you know, got their introduction to the scene through this podcast. And I'd really like to let all the artists and producers who sent me their work over the years know that I appreciated it and that now I'm finally going to get to it and hopefully uh, be another avenue uh, for exposure for artists who make cool electronic music and that doesn't necessarily just mean synthwave because I'm a big fan of just music with an electronic influence but you know what I've always loved about synthwave is that it's it's very heavily uh Besides being influenced by the 80s and sort of retro sounds, that it has uh, a focus on melody. So, you know, when I say I like electronic music, I'm not really a big fan of, you know, like house or dubstep because I'm, it's, to me, it's not so much about the, um, the beat, it's about the melody. And so if you think you make music like that, you know, where it's electronic music, but it's very melodic, 
I'm always interested to hear new cool stuff that uh, takes music in a different direction but still has these sort of electronic roots. I mean, that's that's really what I like. So there will be updates uh, in the near future, sort of outlining what the new show is going to kind of be like. In rough terms right now, having nothing really planned, it's sort of going to be a more polished version of the live show that I attempted earlier in the year, which was a complete failure, by the way. But this show will be better than that. And hopefully people like it. Uh, And hopefully it will allow me to produce Beyond Synth on a more regular basis. There will still be interviews, but they will probably be shorter and more focused on the actual music. But, you know, it's me, so it's going (laughs) to... We're still going to go on crazy tangents and stuff like that. Anyway, just thought I'd let you know. I want to thank everyone who's listened to the show up to this point and sent me nice messages. I'm happy that you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you stick with the show in its new format. And uh, that is it. That's all I'm going to say about it. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Robots with Ray Guns. We had a lot of fun. As I said before, we had colds. So I hope you enjoy the sound of people with colds. Hope you guys enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you again after the interview. And here is my conversation with Robots with Ray Guns. So how's it going? It's going pretty good. All right. I mean, other than being sick as shit. Yeah, I'm sick too. I went to the dentist last week. <laughs> you got sick from the dentist? I don't know. I think I got sick because of going to the dentist. You know, people are like fiddling around with your mouth and stuff if that chick had a cold. That's true. Have you been taking your vitamins? No. You gotta take your fucking vitamins, man. No wonder I get sick all the time. A diet of pizza and grape soda will kind of do that to you. I had pizza last night. I have pizza in the fridge right now. Are you a cold pizza guy? No. I heat it up. That's the tough part though, man. It's the reheating. My dad taught me you do it on the skillet. Like as far as pizza goes, you do it on a skillet pan first Mm -hmm. to make it crispy. And then like you microwave it and then do the skillet. Oh, interesting. And then it's like good as new. Microwave really doesn't reheat that much very well. It always fucks stuff up. That's my, that's my theory on that. (laughs) So I'm, uh, I'm here right now with, uh, with robots with ray guns, also known as Lucas Patrick Smith. Is that correct? Yes. I have to use my full name because otherwise if you Google Lucas Smith, you get one of those uh, birther guys that are convinced that Obama doesn't have a valid birth certificate and was born <laughs> in Kenya. <laughs> Why? Is he, is he like a top dog of those guys? I guess. that's When I Googled it, that's what I got. And I was just like, yeah, no. So... Plus, Smith's such a common name. There are no other Andy Last. If I Google Andy Last, I just get like sentences that just have the word Andy and Last near each other because there isn't another one really. So it's just, uh, you know, 
that was Andy's last chance. And then there'll just be some video about something else. <laughs> I think there was also one about Andy's last dinosaur. I think that's the one that came up last time. <laughs> you probably get all, all kinds of random stuff. Probably a few porns in there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, though. It's not a... Last isn't a super common last name. Yeah, it's a bit too ironic to have as a last name. Well, it was great in public school, man, because <laughs> kids are stupid. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so how are you today? Besides being sick, I should I should point out to anyone listening that we are both sick. Yes, very, very, very sick. I caught my sickness from Andy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I blame you for that. I traveled to wherever it is that you live and coughed in your face. Yeah. And then flew right back. Yeah. Efficient like that. That was the problem too. Cause I was like traveling, looking for people to cough at. And then I got Lucas Smith and I went to the wrong guy. <laughs> Tell me about robots with ray guns, man. When'd you come up with the name and why? I actually don't remember coming up with the name. Like, I don't remember why I came up with that name. I think I just thought it sounded cool. And I think I actually simultaneously came up with the original logo, which is like 35 million logos ago. And Steve actually always got on me for uh, Steve Gilson for having so many different logos and changing it up. And so this one, I've stuck with it. But at the time, I just like combined the had the W in the middle with the R's on the side. And I thought that looked cool. So I think it all kind of came at the same time. But I don't I don't remember why I came up with that name. I think I literally just thought it sounded cool and looked cool. So do you uh do you like both robots and ray guns? Yeah, who doesn't? That's a good point. It is hard to like Google robots with ray guns without coming up with like fantasy conventions and yeah. things <laughs> like that. And like Doctor <laughs> Who stuff. Well it's funny, man, because I am literally I'm building a robot as we speak. It's on the table being painted. Really? What does it do? Well, it's going to be a costume, but it's uh, it's for a upcoming project. You can admit that you're making a cosplay. No, costume. it's not. I'm not really a big cosplayer, but <laughs> I but the thing is that I'm making is using the techniques of cosplay. Like I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of uh, people who make uh, outfits and stuff using the foam, and I was using those techniques to build because I like I've done it before where I'll make like robot costumes. I did one for Droid Bishop for the video. I made for him and that costume was made not in the right way. So it was basically like getting an old jacket and like gluing circuits to it and stuff. And then it becomes incredibly immobile and heavy because <laughs> it's all just like computer parts and things. That's not good. Yeah. So I was looking at all these videos online to see uh, to see just how the other people do it. And they use uh, foam and they cut out different weird shapes and straps and all that stuff. And then just like spray paint on and shit. Yeah. So I've been doing that. Buying really shitty cheap paint. Went to Walmart and got lay of like primer you can buy for like two bucks, but then you like roll the dice on whether or not it's even gonna work, <laughs> which is great. So I got like two cans and one of them just didn't even spray. Like, I, was, I mean, I, I'm assuming it was gonna be a shitty product, but you know, I expected it to either spray or paint, like at least one of them, but it was just the fucking, you can just get dud cans if you buy really shitty stuff. You should make a robot and go on tour with me, and then you'll be like the. The, the robot that dances to the music. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be fun. To be honest with you, I haven't really... I've built all the pieces of the costume, but I think I'm going to have to put them on somebody else because I, I can't... Uh... Anyway, we'll... <laughs> can't, can't fit in it? Well, it's funny. It's Certain things are hard to build when you're doing it yourself. Like, heads are hard. Oh, that's true. Because you want, it, you want your head to fit inside, so you're building around your head, and then you end up right. with this giant head. Because like a real costume would have it all molded so you can put it on and, and uh, when you're doing it yourself, it's 
Well, just you just get a helmet and then build everything around the helmet. Like get the helmet the size you want and just build everything around that. Helmets are a little out of my budget at the moment. Like a bike helmet? I'm buying things for like dollars, you know what I mean? It's like as soon as there's an item that's like, well, this item's going to cost you $19, it's like, nope. You get that at Walmart for like 10 bucks. I did that with a, I hollowed out a TV set. Like I took out the bulb and then where the actual screen would be, it's just like a green screen mat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's hollow inside with a bike helmet positioned in there. And I was going to use that for a music video, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Wait, but won't that be really heavy? No, because it's, it's just a TV set, but it's like hollowed out. So the bulb and everything is missing. That's the heavy part. Right, so it's okay, just okay. the plastic shell. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's not a big one. Okay, because I mean, I, I, well, not recently, but got rid of a whole bunch of old tube TVs that I had uh, around, and some of them had like wood panels and stuff, like old school, and those were heavy. Oh, yeah. But the plastic ones, I guess they, they weren't so heavy. So wait, what else? I mean, like you were doing that for a music video? Yeah, I, I had an idea for a music video. I just haven't had the time money, resources, people. It's really hard to get those things together. Oh, yeah. W- when you're an adult. And uh, it isn't high school where everybody just has all this free time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time. I mean, it sucks, right? You, you don't want to um, hold back on your vision, but at the same time, you have to make all these concessions. Yeah. I know um, for me, when I was doing the the Droid Bishop video, like drawing up the concept for it, it was a l- it was slightly more ambitious but it was also going to involve like a crew. It would have needed yeah. a crew of people. And then I'm just like, okay, well, if I scale back this idea, then I can just do this with, you know, a few people can film this part and blah, blah. And then, and then it sort of goes from there. But it's always a pain in the ass when you need to, especially when all your friends have jobs and I got to call somebody up and be like, hey, you want to fucking dance around in a robot suit? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then it's a, it's a bit of an ask. Yeah. I'm at the point where I'm just going to go to ASU, just find a bunch of hot girls and someone with a cool car and just have a wash the car <laughs> in slow-mo and that's the music video. Bam, <laughs> done. Hey, man, it's a good idea. <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> I can't fault the concept of that video. <laughs> it's universally liked. That's another thing too, right? Because, you know, when you're, when you're doing music in the scene and I definitely want to make more videos, at some point it's going to have to come up where I can't just always do videos with robots in them. <laughs> And if you want to have, you know, like models and stuff, like professional ones, then you're you're immediately adding budget. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so hard. You want to you want to do this stuff as cheaply as you can, but at the same time, you want to quality because there's always that thing too. There's it's it's almost like a cheap kind of like porn feel to it when when it's like you you see people using like kind of amateur models, right? Without without proper makeup and stuff. Yeah. And then it's just it just it gives it the whole wrong vibe, and it's like as soon as you want like models in your videos you gotta do it at least semi-professionally you know i mean like not all models cost like a grand a day but like right and lighting you need the good lighting which is expensive and hard to maintain and figure out and rent and stuff like that because if you have bad lighting then it's just gonna look like a bad music video and i think that's why i haven't really done one yet Mm -hmm. myself because I don't want anything short of just like a professional looking music video. Lighting is one of the most expensive. Right. And I think, it, I mean, it's a huge scam, uh, like film equipment, <laughs> because like all the professional stuff, it's just like, oh, that's just a metal post that costs 10 bucks. But as soon as that's a metal post that holds up a light, it's $100. <laughs> and if you know how to build, you can be one of those dudes who knows how to weld. I'm not one who can actually like fashion their own, you know, like C stands and lights and stuff like that. But I went to film school and lighting was the one thing 
that I just did, could never wrap my head around. It's a lot of technical fucking gibberish and numbers and f stops and yeah things like that and i just never i gravitated towards uh editing and and stuff like that but the technical stuff always gets me i don't know what i'm doing like technical hardware wise or everybody says jargon to me that i don't understand because they just assume i know what i'm doing Uh, (laughs) but musically uh Technically, no clue. (laughs) (laughs) I find, though, too, sometimes people like to just say stuff that makes them sound like they know. Like, there's different types of people, and I've always been the type of person who's not afraid to admit they don't know a thing. Mm -hmm. I just tend not to talk about stuff that I don't know about. Right. But there's lots of people who, like, will try and act... You know, you know, like, oh, you, you didn't adjust the F parameters of the U zone to get the, the fucking QY ratings? Like, fuck you. I mean, like, tell me what you mean. Say the thing, right? <laughs> like, say it in words I can understand, you know? Because I guess musically, you could probably do the same thing, right? I mean, like, you just, you're doing everything, and then when it sounds good or it sounds correct, it's like, hey, I'm done. But yeah. then there's the other people who are like, well, if you're not adjusting the frequency spectrum to the 200 hertz, then you can't get 100 hertz in the... 200 waveforms <laughs> that fell apart quickly yeah <laughs> everybody's just like oh how did you do how'd you do this and how'd you do that i'm like i don't know it just it happened and i liked how it sounded so i went with it i tweaked some fucking knobs Yep. that's all you gotta say steve knows all the technical shit so i i send everything for him to master and he makes it all nice and shiny so it doesn't sound like it's clipping it 15 decibels yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but other than that i just kind of just go with it and experiment and see what happens and and it always just turns out pretty good but there's like millions of song files of just shit just absolutely (laughs) shit that people be like oh you have no idea what you're doing but uh it's always those rare instances where i get inspired and that's what ends up being put out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people think I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. So let's talk a bit uh, about the the robots with ray guns and the music, man. Because, I mean, how long have you actually been releasing stuff officially? Because I, I saw things that dated back all the way to like 2010. Was there stuff before that or was 2010 when you started? As far as robots with ray guns goes, I mean, I was releasing stuff, but like on MySpace in like 2008, 2009. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. Uh, it was a little different, more minimal, just kind of fun, almost like parody type music using kind of like analog type sounds. But uh, yeah, I think 2010 was, yeah, when I did my first album, I moved to Phoenix and uh, in 2010 and I worked on the first album that ended up being Electros and Dead and premiered it on uh, Binary Records blog in August. So it's been like five years, I'd say. Uh, talk to me about the track uh, Electricity. I was listening to that Annie song and I was like, oh, that would make a cool sample. Like just that one part. And like the, I think it was a verse. And I just kind of looped it back and forth and then uh, just made the song around that. It's actually probably clipping pretty bad, that track, just because it is pretty like low and, and uh, kind of dark. But me and Steve are actually going to be working on this year remastering the whole album. And re-releasing it. So that would be pretty cool. Ooh.
there are some sort of consistent people that you seem to work with. So I'm going to start with, let's start with Reno. So how did you get in touch with that dude? I found him on uh, DeviantArt. I think I was just browsing around at random stuff, probably looking for wallpaper because I change that every two days. I found a piece that he did and it's actually the illustration that's on the cover of RWR. He had already done that and I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I love that. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, would it be cool if I use this piece for my album cover? And I kind of mocked it up a little bit where it just kind of had a border, um, kind of a little crude with just like a, a pink and green gradient going up and down the the border. And he got back to me. It was like, you know, thanks for asking permission because some people just don't even ask permission. They just use it. Um, and he said, I, I really like your music. So he sent me back the the final cover, which was much better than I had mocked up. So I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. This is the album cover. This is this is perfect. And the rest is history. We've just been talking ever since. And he really seems to understand the music and the vibe and is able to translate that pretty well. You know, I, I can tell him exactly what I'm thinking, but he kind of understands what that really uh, means visually. He's like super talented. Like he's he's crazy good. I wish I could draw like that, but I can't. Do you actually call, is it the self-titled album or do you actually call that album RWR? No, just RWR. It, it was actually just the, the working title from the beginning and it just stuck. Pretty much every one of my albums, that's that's been the case where I just kind of make a working title mm-hmm. and it just sticks. Like Fresh As It Gets, I had that originally, but it, I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be the final title. But then it just kind of stuck and, and everything kind of built around it. So, in so the- yeah, RWR was just like, I just made that as a kind of code name just to name it something until I found a name, but it just stuck. So then what do you tell him? Like draw a picture of a blonde cartoon babe or like what's the instruction? Well, for that one, that one was already done. So we just, I made the logo and then he put that on and then made the remade the border and everything. But as far as the illustration, that was already done. But then on the deluxe edition, which was going to start out as a, I wanted to do a remix album, which is a lot harder to put together than I anticipated. So that kind of fell apart. But at the time, I wanted to do this remix album and I was just like, hey, is there a way we could just like have a different version where it's, you, you just kind of change up the colors a little bit or something like that. Something, you know, minor changes. And he sent me back what is a deluxe edition cover, which is far beyond what I anticipated and like really badass. So the remix album fell apart, but I had all this material. I had like B-sides and rarities that people liked and wanted released. And I had remixes and I had this really cool album artwork. So I ended up making that the deluxe edition because I was like, I have to release this. Like there's no way this can't be a thing, especially with that badass album artwork. Uh, but yeah, he illustrated that specifically for me. Fresh as it gets is is really the first major collaborative effort between the both of us. I put together references and I told him basically what I had in my head of what I thought about when I thought about an album cover. And what the album cover is is pretty much what I thought in my head, but a little bit a little bit cooler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit more colorful. Because I was just gonna have a white background. Like I was thinking uh that Gorilla's first album. How they just kind of had that animated uh, illustration in the middle and then just a stark white background. Right. But when I did that, it didn't really look that great. But then when I added the pink, it was just like, boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. Those characters, those illustrations are 
pretty much exactly what I had in my mind. And the boombox that she's holding is actually, we used Rick Shithouse's boombox collection as a reference <laughs> for that. I was like, I want something just like that. And so he kind of based it off of that. So made it all colorful and stuff. Well, that's cool. And none of the characters are actually based on real people. Although I didn't realize how many people would mistake that. It's like, it's bad enough that with a plural name, everybody thinks I'm a band, but now they think I'm like three people. Awesome. And uh, there's a chick in the band and stuff like that. <laughs> They're just random characters. And then of course, Keith Masters, who's on the album, thinks that uh, the black guy is modeled after him. <laughs> uh, which might as well. Sure. Why not? That's Keith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I saw this story here. I wanted some elaboration on this. There was this thing that was on your page, and it said, uh, due to unforeseen popular demand, the t-shirts will have the option to be a V-neck only for those who pre-order. So what is the issue with V-neck t-shirts? I don't like them. I think they're stupid looking. <laughs> I hate V-neck t-shirts. I think they're the douchiest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people can kind of pull them off, but you don't have to hold back here. I don't I don't know what it's like up in Canada, but like here, <laughs> everybody loves their V-neck tees. And uh I just I just hate them. But yeah, some people were asking me about V-neck tees, and it turned out that I don't think I actually got any made because only like three people actually really wanted them. Did you send them private letters and uh and get them to change their mind. Yeah, just a pair of scissors and be like, here you go. Make it a V-neck. I don't like V-necks. <laughs> Plus, I think it would have like cut into the the design. It wouldn't have looked right. But if it's like an RWR design, technically the V could go right into the... Uh... Oh, never mind, because a W has a... L never mind. As I was saying that, I realized I forgot what a W looked like. <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of day. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to some of the newer stuff, just what was your, do you have a particular favorite track from Electro Isn't Dead? I think for any of my releases, like my, I don't really have a favorite track. Uh, it kind of goes by day by day, whatever my mood is or, or whatnot. But I think the ones that stand out the most to me are like Sugar Baby, Change of Heart, and Through the Night. So like a lot of people still, people will tweet me and be like, oh, are you the guy, guy that made the that sugar track or sugar baby or something like that? So I, I felt like it kind of uh, represented the the Robots with Ray Goods brand the most just because that's what most people have heard. So to a lot of people, it's still just like just that track that that they've seen like on YouTube or something. Yeah. Even though that that video is is horrendous, like it's it's terrible quality, but people love it. And Maybe one day I'll like go back and, and redo it and, and take more than 20 minutes on it. Yeah.
I think that was the first one that I really did as robots with ray guns, like as that sound after I had really kind of developed what I wanted the sound to be. And I was just kind of having fun. And that was one of those tracks that I just sit there. I just was inspired. I came up with something and then four or five hours later, boom, it's done. And it's just kind of like a, a stream of consciousness. And then when I, I just kept listening to it over and over again, uh, I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but whenever I finish a track, I listen to it over and over and over and over and over again for like a couple hours or something. And when I was listening to it, I was looking at random YouTube videos and I and I saw the Mac and me footage just randomly popping up and it looked like they were dancing to it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that would make a cool video. So I just cut it together with some other uh, footage and posted it up. And uh, people seemed to like it and it got blogged about. And I kind of based the album mostly on that track. Like it kind of went from there and it all kind of was built around that. Talk to me then about what I think you've you've referred to as the your chopped Vox uh, style. But what what was it that made you start to do that? Basically having these sort of, these kind of like uh, chopped up vocals that sort of come in at like different, uh, different speeds and pitches and stuff. And it sort of has this, uh, I mean, it sounds neat, but I mean, like, how did you land on that? Two reasons. A, I didn't have any vocals. I didn't have people, like, it's not like now where people are like, hey, let's work together, things like that. I didn't know anybody who sang or or did anything so i just kind of took royalty free vocals that i that i had and just you know chopped them up and experimented with them and it was mostly just for fun but i was just like oh it sounds pretty cool and i just went with it and my whole first album i actually like sampled vocal hooks from other songs uh most of which weren't actually the hooks from that songs but i made them into the hooks for my songs so it'd be like a a clip of a verse from here or a clip from there. But then I just started experimenting with that and and people really seemed to like it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just keep doing that because it, it's pretty fun for me. Uh, but it actually started before Robots with Ray Guns when I actually did industrial music and I released an album. So is that is that Grave Machine? Yes, Grave Machine. I released an album under that moniker. It's very like moody, cinematic, industrial music. What I did for the vocals for that was I had these like royalty free house vocals that were like cheery and, you know, um, uplifting and like gospel type vocals. And I just fucked with them until they sounded really eerie and I washed them out and it just made this kind of like eerie soundscape, kind of like burial. And someone actually said it sounded like burial. And that's how I found out about burial. And I really liked his stuff, but it's just very moody vocals that originally were not that vibe at all so i kind of translate i I translated that over when i did robots with ray guns because that's all i really knew and that's what i was doing i didn't realize that like a lot of people didn't really do that kind of style where just the chopping right because i just have fun with it I, i don't really take i don't really take the music too seriously like i i just like having fun and experimenting and seeing what what new sounds can come out of doing things like that. And I guess it just comes a bit natural to have that process. Yeah, I checked out uh, the Grave Machine one, so it did have a, a very different vibe. But that was also like, how how old was Grave Machine? Uh, the bulk of that album I made when I was 
16, 17, mm. 17. What were you using at that point to make music? Like if you changed your production technique, I mean, besides getting better, like are you still sort of using the same sort of software and stuff or did you change? I pretty much use the same software, actually. I've been using the same uh, workstation since I was like 15 because I'm just, I just don't want to learn anything new. I feel like I've been, you know, using this for so long and it's what I know and it's worked out for me and I just, I haven't really stopped making music for a long enough time to experiment and try a new workstation because I've just been constantly making stuff and it, there's never been a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop right here, learn something new and start from there using that. But until then, you're just going to stick with the Windows audio recorder? <laughs> It's Sony Acid Studio, like 5.0 or 6.0, something like that. Sony Acid Studio. Yeah. I've never... T tell me it about... It doesn't do a lot for you, like, as far as automation or or any stuff like that. So I do a lot of things kind of like the hard roundabout way, but it's how I know how to do it. So um, it's not like Fruity Loops where it does a lot of the stuff for you, hmm. but I, I, I feel like I have more freedom to kind of do random crazy things because like the drop and drag. So, so with like the, the vocal chopping, I feel like it's easier for me to do it in a more visual style with the, the cutting and, and, uh, and, and moving around um, like that, as opposed to like a fruity loops thing where it's, it's more like uh, patterns and numbers. Mm -hmm. Sony acid studio. So like, I'm tr I'm just trying to put a year on that software. So I mean, have they even have they made new versions of it? I don't know. I think it got bought out, and I don't think they make new versions of it. No, I think they call it Sonic Foundry now. I think they bought it out or something like that. I saw you mentioned a while ago that you got a pet gecko and were looking for name suggestions. What did you land on? Gex after the. The video, video game, game character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never played Gex. Was Gex even a good game? Kind of. It was fun. I remember, I just remember when I was a kid, I played Gex 3. Not going to lie, I wanted that video game because I had a chick with like big tits on the cover. <laughs> and he was just like a super cool secret agent and she was a secret agent and it was the first like 3D one. And so I remember like playing that and just having fun because... I, I like games like that where it just they don't take themselves too seriously and it's it's very kind of like tongue in cheek. Are you are you also gaming on like a ten year old system or has that been updated? Oh yeah, Atari all the way. Yeah, <laughs> as old school as it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't upgraded a PlayStation Four yet because there's not really anything that I I really want. But I just haven't had much time to to game that much lately. Well, it's uh, it's cool, man. <laughs> I got a PS Four. I I actually really like it. I, I maybe bought one too soon. I mean, it's not an issue now that there's actually like uh, content for it. But because uh, I bought it like, I don't know, maybe like a month or two after it came out and there wasn't really anything to play, which was sort of a bummer. But uh, it's cool, man. The interface is a lot faster. I think that's my favorite part about it. You know, like when you're on your PS3 and you like kind of back out to the main menu or you just like press the, the home button to just and it goes back and it kind of takes like time to load. Mm hmm. And there's all these sort of things that sort of take time, whereas uh, on the PS4, it's all 
it's all kind of streamlined. Like you can jump back into the main menu without any like load time. You can have like Netflix going at the same time you have a game going mm-hmm. and you can like just suspend it and stuff. Like it's, it's cool. And the controllers, uh, the controllers better as well. They made some subtle changes, but it is actually more comfortable. Well, I have tiny hands, so <laughs> hopefully it, it fits my tiny hands. Yeah, it is. It is actually bigger. It is bigger than the PS3 controller, but uh, the position of the the triggers and stuff and the way the analog sticks feel is is nicer. I work for Sony. I don't work for Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when I talk about it, I just realize like I just sound like in a commercial for Sony. They have a way of doing that. But it is it is cool, man. Like it's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's no Gex. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been a big fan of Sony lately, particularly in the music department. I know a lot of people that have gotten signed to Sony and I've wanted to work with them and they wanted to work with me. But then when they assign to Sony and then it's just like, they, that doesn't happen. They cock block me right. every time. Well, that sucks. I, I don't know if it was the remixes or what, cause they've always been at the forefront of like taking down my, my remixes if it's a Sony artist. But I mean, they're all sort of like different divisions and stuff too. Right. I mean, isn't Sony PlayStation like the only thing that makes Sony money? I think it might be the other way around where the video gaming doesn't actually make much money. No, it's the consoles that don't make money because they're expensive to make. But oh, I think right. it's but I think it's Sony. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But it's like it's the Sony gaming division. Like, I mean, you know, they're they're always like like company that's sort of losing money on like the electronic side and stuff like that. But I think PlayStation is the only part of their business that's like lucrative. I don't know. After that leak came out. Look like they're they're doing pretty good with those movies. Well, that fucking Sony leak was crazy because they had their finger in like every single fucking pie in the universe. Like you know, <laughs> so like every day there's a new story, and it's just like according to the Sony leaks, fucking Ben Affleck did blah blah on some TV show. I'm like, why was that in the Sony leak? Like it's just like every two seconds there's like another thing. Like I just read a story because they approached the fucking producers of Doctor Who to be the producers of the movie they're trying to make or something. So then there's a fucking story about BBC that was leaked from the fucking Sony thing. Like, it's just insane. Like, they just, it's like every single thing they were trying to do somehow got put out in that leak. And it just, it's funny that it just applies to everything. Yeah, it's a small world. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, there's some funny things, but a lot of it's like not news. I'm so sick of the way the internet fucking, well, the internet, the people who just post things that like aren't news, but they try and frame it like it is. And like, just Preaching because the choir. Just, just because it's a leak, it's like, oh, so-and-so is in talks to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, like in talks means nothing. This isn't a news story. Like, it's not a story if nothing happened. And it's so stupid that there's all these fucking stories about stuff that didn't happen. Well, now it is a news story if nothing happened. But yeah, but it's fucking <laughs> it's bullshit. Like, I just hate when there's stories that are like literally the, the the whole purpose of this story is that there isn't a story. Like, that's the whole it's, it's fucking oh, it drives me nuts. My fucking Facebook news feed, like all the stupid things on the side. Welcome to the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Half the time I just look over like people are mad about stuff that I'm just like, why is this a thing? I mean, I feel like... I, I always, you know, like I'm a pretty like liberal and open-minded guy, but there are times where there are some stories that are like just extremely the other way. Like there's like the super liberal people who are very politically correct about some stuff that I'm starting to even go like, wait, come on here. Like that's pretty intense. So like, I don't know. It's weird when you, like I, 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 like I fall in the middle of like so many things and it's weird because 
if you're not like one crazy way or the other way, then you just, it's, it's hard to find sort of people who are just reasonable. I guess I'm reasonable is what I like to say. I hear you. I have to watch what I say now on social media. It's so weird. I got attacked by like Beyonce fans because I made a joke about a picture that she had posted and I made a joke like, oh, it's probably Photoshop. She could be like in the back of a jack in the box for all we know. And she just Photoshopped herself into Hawaii and they are just crazy. Like every, you can't say anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the like Facebook lately and I just like see what people post and what seems to like trend at the side and all of it's just gibberish and like yeah just, don't look at that i don't look at that anymore it's so hard not to it's there I, it feels kind of weird because like now i just feel like in a bubble but i'm like it's better than looking at everything else but I, when i'm on the internet now i just focus on robots with ray gun stuff like for the most part yeah because uh, everything else, like as far as news goes and what friends are posting on facebook and stuff mostly it's it's not anything worthwhile <laughs> Sadly, but true. I feel like if it weren't for the music, I would probably just quit the internet. I'd be like, delete my Facebook and Twitter and and all that stuff. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I I, I find, I mean, at least you can, I do hide people. Like there is people I've just been like, all right, I'm done. Like there's a lot of negativity too. And it's like, you know, things are already like kind of shitty. It's it's annoying when there's people who also do that all day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you already have enough stuff to deal with and then you go on the internet and then there's everybody just like, everything's shit. And world's going to blow up. I'm like, fuck you. And then there's people who's been saying that kind of shit for like years. Same, like just negative nonsense. And it's just like, all right, and then People are just mean too. Like they just like to be mean. I had a guy on Twitter be like, your music is shitty and you're <laughs> a shitty person. Just random stuff. And uh, I... I just replied back to him. I was just like, I really want to give you a hug so you're not so mean anymore. I didn't think that would work, but I actually did. He's like, that's the nice thing anybody said to me today. And then the next day, he like tweeted an apology. And he's like, I'm sorry. I took out all my anger on you. I'll, I'll actually check out your music now. Like he never <laughs> even heard it. He's just being a dick just to be a dick. No, that seems to be the case in a large amount. Like people will say those sorts of things to provoke. To get attention. And then, you know, when you give it to them, it's... It, it's like the whole like trolling thing, but then some people respond negatively and then it starts, you know, like the stupid fight when you can also just sort of turn it around and just make it something else. Like, yeah, I usually will respond if it's funny. I don't care if it's mean as long as it's funny. Yeah. yeah then yeah. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you can be dissing me like crazy, but if it's if, if I find it funny and it makes me laugh, then, you know, who cares? Talk to me about the, uh, we mentioned it before, but the uh, the RWR album. So there's a track on there I dug. It was called uh, Runaway with uh, Patrick Baker. Yeah, and actually Televisor, who I also know, they did a track with Patrick Baker, also called Runaway, at around the same time. Nice. And they both were released around the same time. And I like I hit up Patrick about it. I was like, so what's up with this? And he was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. Like they both had the same title and both were released around the same time and neither of us knew which one was better theirs probably <laughs> you don't have to be diplomatic man theirs probably got more attention that's for sure but no i actually like their their track a lot too so i mean they're they're totally separate tracks they just happen to have the same title and uh same featuring guest vocalist 
Actually, right through me was the vocals from that are actually outtakes from Runaway that I didn't use for that track, but I still wanted that. Like I still like them, and I thought they could be better used another track. And I was just experimenting with it, and I I came up with right through me, and I didn't really. I sat on it for a long time, and then I released it, and everybody really liked it. I didn't expect that, but uh, yeah, they're just recycled bits. When you were uh, starting, and I know like over the course of this this whole sort of project, you've done, I can say, a shit ton of remixes. Uh, I know you, you put out like a remix album that had like over 50 songs on it. Just because SoundCloud shut my shit down. <laughs> I had to put them somewhere. People got mad. I didn't, I didn't know that people would get like literally upset that they weren't up there anymore. They were like, what happened to your SoundCloud? I could like, I didn't realize how many people actually go to the SoundCloud and listen to it on a daily basis. Like I, you see the numbers and they're high numbers, but you don't really make that connection because people aren't like talking about it. Right. But as soon as the SoundCloud got deleted, Oh, people, people were angry. So I had to put them somewhere. So I put them up on Bandcamp, and hopefully I won't get in trouble for that. Well, you're not charging anything, right? So no. And it's all in one place. So people can just like, just, they just click the button, download it, and they have all of them. So what happened then officially with the whole SoundCloud thing? I had been getting copyright notices from them for years, like ever since I had started posting remixes here and there. And then they always threatened to kind of like be like, oh, next time we'll take it down or something like that. And it never happened. And I just collected them. I had like 30-odd copyright infringement tickets. But then earlier this year, I posted a Taylor Swift remix. 
And I think that's what did it. Because then right after that, they took that down, but also sent me an email saying they deleted my entire SoundCloud. I was kind of like, oh, crap. But at the same time, it was just like, well, I didn't really use it that much anymore. And I didn't really check it that often. And I didn't really agree with a lot of the things that they were doing. I felt like, you know, I owed them a lot as far as my, you know, early in my career. But they were, I felt like they were a different company back then. Like they really cared about independent artists and getting them out there. And now it's more so now that they've got their, the major labels have their hands in their pockets. It's a bit of a different story now. And I feel like they are more focused on advertising and revenue and getting those big people that don't need the exposure because they're already big, promoting them above all the independent artists. So I didn't really agree with that anyways. But I was surprised at at the reaction that people had. I I still get people asking me, you know, now that your SoundCloud's gone, what are you going to do? How are you going to get your music out there? It's surprising to me how many people really fall back on SoundCloud and use it as a primary source of promotion and things like that. And it's just like, you can't really rely on one medium because then if, if that goes away, then you're screwed. I always forget that sound, like I never, you really listen to music on a SoundCloud stream unless people specifically send me SoundCloud links. Right. I've, I've always just been a fan of Bandcamp. Like I like just how it's, it's nice and clean and there's like, you know, like the square of the album artwork and then I just listen to the album Right. Whenever I'm on SoundCloud, I still find it to just be really, it's all cluttered, you know? And Yeah. And I did have quite a following on SoundCloud that I do kind of regret not having that anymore. But at the same time, I felt like it wasn't that big of a deal to me because I was going to be moving on from that platform anyway. I've been getting uh, emails and, and other companies have been reaching out, uh, starting new music, social media platforms. So, you know, who knows? Maybe SoundCloud will be the next MySpace and something will just you know, completely take over that market because a lot of people are unhappy with SoundCloud now. Well, I'm very happy. It's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Who is Blue Jay? He's a French R&B artist. I think he's from France. He he lives in Atlanta now, but um, I think he was in in France at the time. But he's just an R&B artist uh, that I had just, I don't even know how we met online, probably like a SoundCloud type thing. That was from a track that he had recorded, but he'd, he wasn't going to use. And I just had the, the vocals of that track and I took pieces of that and made a hook. So like a lot of my creative process is just taking bits and recycling them and making a new hook out of it. So like that was like a verse from a, a song that he had just like, written and uh recorded the vocals for but never used and i was and i just took what i wanted out of it and what i liked and uh made made a new track out of it
So some of the other people that you sort of uh, have, have worked with sort of several times. Well, talk to me about uh, Steve um, Silent Gloves Gilson, host of Project Friday, professional mixer, because uh, he mixes a, most or all of your stuff. Anything that I commercially release. So just my album. So RWR and Fresh As It Gets. So he's only really mastered two of my albums. Out of three. But yeah, probably indefinitely. So all future releases will be mastered by him. How did you get in touch with him to do that or get in that relationship? We met in like 2011, I think, early 2011. Um, he had just started doing Project Friday or or maybe he hadn't started yet. I, I can't remember. But he reached out because he had heard Sugar Baby and really liked it. And he said that kind of inspired him to make the kind of music that he was making as silent clubs. And at the at the time, he was making uh, drum and bass music. When he reached out to me, he sent me a track where he remixed one of my remixes as a drum and bass mix. And it was phenomenal. And I love it. And it was so cool. And his production value was very, very high. Much greater than mine was at the time. So we just started talking about stuff. And he, he was playing, you know, Sugar Baby on Project Friday. And I would, you know, listen to the project friday streams and we've just been really good friends ever since and we talk all the time and about music and and everything and we have pretty much the same taste in music i feel like we have very 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 similar taste in music which doesn't necessarily just fall in the realm of like synth based music but also like hip-hop and r&b and mainstream pop and and things like that we have a very similar musical taste we kind of like discover people for each other. So if I see somebody that's really cool that he'll like, I'll, I'll hit him up or, or vice versa. So we've just been really good friends. Uh, I love that guy. He's really awesome. Are you a fan of Tron? I saw a picture while I was researching you and it was, uh, I believe you, uh, body painted with sort of Tron inspired. Yeah. <laughs> That was really fun. Uh, I'd never really done anything like that, but I was just like, you know, screw it. And I thought it turned out really cool. I just got uh, reached out by an artist who was just starting out 
you know, wanted to try it out. And so it was going to be free. So I was like, okay. And, um, I just did it. And the photos turned out really cool. And I liked it. I feel like he's gotten probably much better since then. So I might want to try it again. But I was just like, I want to do something kind of Tron looking. Because I thought of, of a body painting, that would be the coolest to do. I would just be a little too bashful to take part in that sort of activity. I was, but I just did it. And now I'm not really anymore. <laughs> We kind of cheated, though. Didn't do the backside because there's only so long I can stand still for a certain amount of time. Because it does take a while. It takes hours. Yeah, yeah. So didn't do from the knees down and didn't do my entire backside because I didn't want to spend twice as long standing there still. Did you go like just like, hey, man, it was a ripoff, man. You never painted my ass. <laughs> they didn't show in the photos anyway, so like, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun experience. And then I did another one. It wasn't full body. It was just the the head and like the top of my shoulders. Mm. And it was uh, like Day of the Dead style. So my face was painted up like a sugar skull. And that we actually used UV sensitive paint. So under the black light, it glowed, which probably would have been more appropriate for the Tron. But we just didn't think of that. In the photo I saw, they were sort of a conveniently placed hand. But like, did you have like a cod piece on or something? Nope. See, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I would just be so weird. Like, is they're not like actually painting your wiener though, right? Like, were they just sort of painting around it? Everything was painted. <laughs> I bet your UV sensitive paint probably isn't a good thing to put on your shaft. Unless it is. I don't know. Would that make a difference? Well, it's sensitive down there, right? I mean, like... I guess. Is it like spray? No, it's like paint paint. Like, like with a paint brush? Like with a paint brush. Yeah, see... That's why it takes so long. That doesn't... I, I have no... There's no way someone could be with paint and a paintbrush on my dink. Like, you just got to sit there and someone's painting you. With, like, I just couldn't even... Besides the fact that it would just be really tickly, like, it'd be moving around and stuff. Yeah, that's true. It is kind of, like, cold, tickly. But, like, that part doesn't take very long. It's, like, the the arms. Oh, and, like, it would take chest. a long time for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was, just, it was just a weird experience. And it, it was interesting. And, and it was fun. Tell me about your new album, man. As fresh as it gets. Big one. Or fresh as it gets. Is it as fresh as it gets or just fresh as it gets? Fresh as it gets. But yeah, I mean, this album is big and literally big. Like it's 15 tracks, which I didn't anticipate. But at the same time, it kind of felt like that. Like halfway through, I, I started to feel like it was going to be a massive album. And I kind of felt like it was like one of those like early 90s R&B albums where you had like an interlude and you had like a whole bunch of tracks. So just kind of that big massive feel I kind of was subconsciously going for and I didn't even realize it till the end. But in the end I was like, can I cut this down any? And no matter what I, how I rearranged it or, or cut anything out, it just didn't feel right. So I just left it as it was. And I'm glad I did. The ones I liked, there's a track called On the Groove. That one... I guess I was just kind of feeling like not emotional, but like just kind. Of, I, I wanted to kind of have something in there that had more of a a strong melody, but not in a sense of like dancing or having fun, but just kind of like a strong emotional melody. Because I think a lot of the robots with against music, it's like it's fun and it's catchy and it's upbeat and and kind of light. But I also like to have kind of really cheesy emotional epic melodies in there, mm -hmm. and I just kind of wanted to have something a little little harder. 
uh, and darker. There are the chop vocals, but it's mostly just based on the instrumental part. And that's what really like stands out in that track. So I kind of wanted to take a little bit away from the, the, the chop vocal hooks. You still have like a proper job? I worked at Bowling Alley for a while, but um, I wasn't for a while. When I made this album, I wasn't working. I just kind of went back to work because I was feeling a little lazy. And uh, I was like, there's all these cool things I want to do with Robots with Ray Guns. But it's just like, you know, you need money to do those things. But I think pretty soon I will be looking at doing a live show and going that route and seeing where that goes. Because I have had a lot of people ask for that. And it wasn't something I particularly ever thought about doing consciously. I never thought that the music would kind of like take off the way it has. And I never really felt like a like a real musician, you know? Right. Like to be able to to go on tour and, and, and go play shows. But a lot of people have been just saying, you know, just, just do it. You know, people just want to hear the music and see you. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I'm just saving up for equipment now and learning how to do that because i have no clue what i'm doing but apparently that's okay <laughs> so i'll fake it till i make it but i think that would be exciting and then you can go play at a bowling alley that would be actually really cool and then the whole thing can come full circle one of those cosmic bowling alleys yeah 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 but yeah the bowling alley i worked at actually was the one that they filmed bill and ted's excellent adventure at oh sweet like where napoleon gets kicked out and you can't tell from the inside that it's the same bowling alley but when he gets kicked out you see the outside 
then you're like, oh, okay, that's the same one. But it's a shithole now. <laughs> it's like a strip club. It's all red. So what's the part-time thing, though? Like, do you went back to bowling or are you doing something else? No, I just work at Chipotle. Well, what do you do? You cook? Kind of. I really like working there because it's really fun. I only started working there, but I don't know how long I'm going to be there because if I'm going to do the live thing, it's kind of not really room for that. <laughs> I just didn't expect the that this album to really take off the way it did and, and for people to really respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so now I'm kind of looking to to make it my career. So I've been talking to some people, might get a new manager and things like that, just kind of building my team. Well, that's a thing too. I mean, like you need sometimes even even having work is just good socially. Right. Like I find, I mean, I, I haven't had like a normal job in many years. Obviously, I don't want to go back to one, but at the same time, it is good to be social and it is good to be out and have a reason to be out because I find, you know, if you if you end up with some sort of thing where you are just sort of inside all the time and it it, it can be draining. Yeah, and that's where I was. Like I wasn't really getting out as much and I was, you know, working on music and working on promoting the album and everything. Yeah, I, I, I felt like I was getting lazy and I wanted to kind of get out there and like work on my work ethic and just kind of, I didn't want that to, to slide. And plus music doesn't exactly you know, pay a whole lot. <laughs> People think I make a lot, a lot of money off of Robots with Raycons and I really don't. I think it's just because I have the, the illustrations and, and the the presentation and everything. Yeah. And I have it like professionally mastered and everything, but it's just like, not not really. I mean, I'm getting there. It's definitely a lot more. I need to get on the licensing grind. That's what I'm really missing out on. I could probably just skate on licensing royalties if I really got into it but it's just one of those things where it's just like it's not the fun part of making music like i want to just do the fun parts where it's just like actually making music and in merchandise and things like that but licensing is just all paperwork i don't know how all that works you need a money guy man yeah i do are you volunteering no fuck no uh all <laughs> the uh <laughs> it's like all the thing, I mean, I, I'm a big uh, podcast listener and uh, things like that. And and what I've started to realize, although people don't often talk about it, is that even uh, like the artsy types who end up being successful, they always have like this kind of silent partner they don't talk about. Yeah, who's the business guy? Right. And you know, there's all those business dudes around who like just know money and know how to talk to people, but they're just not artistic. Right. But they want to be associated with people who are. Right. And I just don't know where to fuck to find those kind of people because like they don't exist. Like that's the one type of person that like doesn't exist in any of my social circles is like the money guy. Because like I've just always kind of socialized with artsy types, whether they be, you know, actual right. visual artists or, or or people who make movies or photographers or musicians who, I mean, those are the kind of people who I gravitate towards personally. And there's just never been like, I've never been friends with or known a dude who's just like, hey, man, I'm just real good with numbers, you know, like just they're just never around me. And then like that's where where like management comes in into play and things like that. And I had a manager before and it just it didn't really work out. It's it's really hard to find people that share. You, they, they still have to share your vision. Yes. Whether they're just the, the money or not, like they, they still have to share the same vision of where your brand is heading. And in that case, we were on totally separate wavelengths. I wanted to finish the album and get out, get that out there. And he wanted to just throw me on tour into this like EDM festival selling vodka products. And it just, 
it just didn't feel right. So I was just like, I don't think this is working out. And I went my separate ways. I released the album and here I am now. So what I'm sort of talking about is sort of a slightly different thing. Cause I think like it, it's really is finding someone who is a partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really finding it like it like one person who's not a person who also manages like several other people and has their own sort of schemes. It's like a person who just really is there. They, I mean, they get some of the money, like that's the whole point. Uh-huh. And they're not necessarily artistically inclined, but they're there just for you to be the yeah the person who kind of helps out. And I mean, like that's it would be handy if we all had one of those around. Yeah, I need to find me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> we need partners, damn it. But like here, you you deal with all the licensing agreements and the all that kind of stuff. Because that you know that is worth money. Like yeah. there's things out there that are like time savers that people don't realize. It's like because to me, I mean, the bottom line is time is the precious asset and it is worth money. And I'm talking in like everyday fucking situations. Like when we're parking the car in the mall or whatever, and you know like, oh shit, like if you parked right here, you'd have to pay like, you know, five bucks and it's like close to the door or something. I would rather do that than drive around a parking lot for half an hour Yeah, looking for a good spot. Like to me, if $5 saved me half an hour of fucking wasted shitty time, it's totally worth it. And so, like, if you have somebody who's honestly there to fucking do the busy work nonsense, and there's some people out there who, you know, they have it in their head like it's a cheapness thing or something. Like, oh, I would never pay somebody to do that or do that. But it's yeah. just like, dude, if it fucking saves you time and clears your head, that shit is worth money. It's worth it. I'm trying to get new T-shirts made and all kinds of merchandise stuff. But then I think about actually shipping it out, and that's like a pain in the ass. So I might hire somebody just to deal with all the 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 merch shipments and stuff because especially when it's out of the country and you have to deal with customs it's really difficult uh and time consuming to get the stuff shipped out yeah and it's time that you're spending not making music yep and that's the that's the thing and of course it sucks i mean what i'm saying is unfair to a lot of people because yeah like i mean i don't have any money so i mean like i, I think these are things i'm i'm talking very in grand scale as if like i can just go out and hire somebody to i mean dude right. if the podcast like got any bigger i would love to be able to hire someone to fucking edit it yeah. you know what i mean like i just i i really enjoy editing personally but if there was some way like there was some kind of money stream coming in even a little where I could make more episodes and like delegate some of the work. But the the thing is I don't trust other people to do it. Like it would, it would have to be someone who I could see like on a daily basis and not like mm-hmm. send the audio over to Japan or something. Like it's, there's certain things you got to do with people like in person. Right. But uh, I mean, that's like a personal thing, but yo man, like all that stuff, man, saving time, dude, is the key. It's the fucking key. Yep. And things are just kind of like taking off pretty quickly. Now I have like 10 million different ideas and paths that I could go down and it's just about like choosing one. So right now I'm just kind of focusing on, you know, promoting this album and getting it out there and just kind of, you know, communicating with people and networking and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm going to try the live thing and see how that goes and make some new music and release it and finding new distributors and people to work with and building a team. So it's just where I'm at. Talk to me about the track uh, Get Over You, which is the letter U. Well, She's the Queen uh, is, a, is a duo from New York. They're actually engaged. So they're like together. I had met them through, I think it was one of the blogs that we were both blogged on or something like that. So we, I'd known, 
Emily, the lead singer, for a few years and always wanted to get on her track because her vocals are really great and their production value is really good. So I sent her a track and it was actually a very kind of upbeat, different track. And the vocals she sent back just didn't really fit vibe wise, but I really loved them. And I kind of had an idea in my head. And so I took those vocals and I made a completely different track out of it. And that's what ended up being Get Over You. And I just kind of had fun with it. And I was just like, what if I made it kind of tropical but industrial at the same time? And like things that like normally wouldn't go together on paper. Mm -hmm. I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to try it. And I ended up with that. And it's like actually one of the more experimental yet safe as far as structure goes. Like it's it's a very just kind of conventional pop song, which I felt really fit her vocals. But I really liked how it turned out. And I felt like, you know, that's one of those instances where it's like you have this one idea and you you know what you want it to be like. And then, you know, you're collaborating with somebody and they kind of come up with something else. And you end up with something that you never thought about, but you actually like better than the original idea. listen to your kind of tracks and I try and sing along because I'll find myself doing the 
like the weird choppy thing because <laughs> like with get over you because when it's in my head it's you know he's just like well i want to get over you like you know like when it pitches up and then comes down and then like uh so it's it's funny to me that it sort of plays that way in my head too yeah but that's the one i think from from the album that was the one that like kind of got stuck in my head the most it's a it's a good track man and that was one of those cases where i didn't really need to do any like pitching or chopping or anything but i just felt like it just sounded cool it just sounded better doing it that way and i just went with it and i wonder how many people find that kind of stuff really annoying nobody really says it vocally but i'm sure no there's been a few people that be like i, I don't really like your vocal chopping cause it's kind of annoying but those are the, the sorts of comments that are useless yeah you know like when when someone comes in is just like yeah, man, this would be a lot better if there was, like, guitars and drums and stuff. I'm like, all right, well, then you want different music. Yeah. Like, well, fuck you. Like, what's the point of that stupid comment? The tool I found completely useless are crowd reviews, which you would think are, are very helpful. But I feel like unless you really are trying to pander to radio audiences, they're completely useless. Because I've done crowd reviews for, like, three or four different tracks on this album alone. And they all pretty much come back mostly the same. Like people who like electronic music really dig it. If they like dance and electronic music, they really dig it. People who don't, don't. And that's why. They'll be like, I don't really like this type of music, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I'm giving it a bad score. What is, uh, hold on, maybe I misunderstood you. But what what is crowd reviews? A sample group of people who like different kinds of music, like say like 40 people listen to the track and then give a review to it and then you collect all those so like i use like reverb nation or or tune core or something like that where they do the crowd reviews and you just pay them to get all those reviews and then you get the statistics so you get to read all the reviews right and what they rate your music and like eight or uh higher is 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 radio friendly so like something that you would hear on the radio that would get picked for radio right and i always get like a six or something like that but that seems so stupid. I've just found that they're really useless. Yeah, it sounds useless. Like it's it's because you're just gonna get those like eh, it needs more banjo. Like yeah, like I said, if if they like that kind of music, then they're really into it. If they aren't, then and they really don't get it, then that's the feedback you get. But it's pretty much the same for most of it. I I, I could see for like a top forty type artist really getting use out of that, but I'm not really striving for that market necessarily mm-hmm. on purpose, anyways. So it doesn't really give me constructive feedback as far as my music goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when half the people are saying they really love it and half the people are saying like, eh, then it's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I like it. And as long as other people, some other people like it, as long as like 10 other people are digging it, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, like, cause I'll, I'll get comments like that too about the podcast and and. Some of them are just sort of, okay, well, then you just want something else. Yeah. Like, it's just people, like, I've got one where the dude is just like, yeah, there's uh, too much talking. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's, a, it's an interview <laughs> show. Like, I don't know any way around that. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I hear you fiddling with things. No, I was just kind of, like, rearranging myself. <laughs> Not like that. Like, I was... <laughs> I was like getting lazy, so I'm like putting my feet up on a little chair thing. Sure, here. man, sure. In my studio, I have this little pull-out chair base that I pull out and then just stick my feet up top. Sounds like you're living the high life. Oh yeah, definitely. My little studio with the tiger print love sack and the black lights. What the fuck is a love sack? 
Oh, they're really cool. They're they're giant beanbag. I don't know how to describe them. They're like nice beanbags. Okay. And they're big. I'll tell you how I would describe a love sack. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if it was like really big and in your living room and you just sat on it, hmm. maybe they should make uh, covers that are like feel like skin and then it would just be like ball sack by love sack. Yeah. <laughs> And then they have like random little hairs. You know that would sell. That'd be really weird. You know that would sell, man. Because I see that shit all the time, all the stupid novelty gifts. You know, like my wife will like send me some stupid link to some website that sucks. And they'll be like, you know, like novelty things. Like, oh, they're they're earmuffs that look like boobs. I'm like, no one's going to fucking wear that. But they sell them. So, I mean, if people sell shit like that, people are going to be selling. This is something big that's expensive and like you... You use as furniture. Dude, there's dudes who will spend $5,000 on a realistic woman doll to have sex with. So there's bound to be someone out there who's going to buy a scrotum chair. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, man, it's been fun talking to you. Do you have anything you want to say or anything that we didn't uh, touch on? Buy my album on iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was supposed to do that through the interview. Yeah. (laughs) Should have been like, by the way, buy my album on iTunes. Yada yada. Oh, oh Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Because iTunes, I don't get those reports till like months later. Well, if you want, when the show is done, I'll just edit it so that uh, every twenty minutes there'll just be like the same message that'll like <laughs> pop in. I think you have to do it. You did that one <laughs> promo. That's true, and that was really good. As fresh like as it gets. One. Yeah. With renowned artist Reno Massad. I need to make like a commercial using that audio, and then have like filming explosions and everything. Uh, we gotta get you in there, and like we were like narrating it, and there's just explosions, and like the chick with the underboob, and like she's like real, and it's like a model. Big <laughs> dreams. Yeah. Gotta, gotta dream big. If there's anything to take from this conversation, it's that you got to dream big. I'll see if there's room in the budget for that. Yeah. Well, you can. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll show up in there. You just got to give me a. What's my fee? Two grand for the day. Oh, you're cheap. Shit. Should I have asked for more? So <laughs> <laughs> what I do. I'm always selling myself short. Anyways, man. It's been nice talking to you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Hope you have a lovely day. Hope you get better. Oh, I hope so, too. I'm going to go drink lots of Gatorade and eat lots of pizza. I think that both of those things are going to not make you better. Gatorade is good for you. It's got electrolytes, right? You need some vitamin C, man. You got to get yourself some oranges. Anyways, dude, (laughs) you have a lovely day. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Take care, man. All right. See ya. And that was Robots with Ray Guns. We had a lot of fun. Uh, You should check out his tracks. They're pretty cool. And that is that. So I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you guys are uh, keen on this show morphing because it's about to. Like I said uh, in the intro, it was either change the show or not do it anymore. And I think that there's enough people who listen who enjoy Beyond Synth who might like to hear more. And so you're going to hear more Beyond Synth and hopefully... You like it because it's either that or nothing. Know what I mean? Well, thank you all for listening and enjoying Beyond Synth as it was. And I hope you are going to continue on the Beyond Synth journey with me when the show changes. Just so we're clear, the new show will still be called Beyond Synth. It will still be hosted by me. And... The rest of it's going to be very different. Uh, It might be a little sillier than you are expecting it to be. 
um, because I have some ideas right now. They're pretty rough, but it's essentially going to become like a radio show with, you know, recurring bits and uh, skits and stuff like that. And I'm going to play lots of new tracks. Uh, definitely, if you're listening to this and you want to get in touch because you have some new stuff coming out, send it my way. There's still no official timeline for when the new show is going to come out, but once it does, and I'll have a lot more stuff to announce, including uh, a partnership with a certain internet radio station, which will be playing the new Beyond Synth show, and all sorts of stuff which I cannot announce now until it's official, so just bear with me. It's going to be a wild ride. All right, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Don't forget to uh, never rub another man's rhubarb, and I will talk to you guys soon. Beyond Synth is now over. Please tune in next time. Thank you for your cooperation. 